Welcome back to Psych Your Crime, and I'm your host, Nicole Mann. As always, I just want to thank you guys for listening. I always say every episode, I never thought I would be doing this for this long. Um, as you notice, I have not been uploading as frequently or as regularly. I had some issues with the wiring in my apartment, so there was issues with my fire detector, so I, I couldn't really record. I also had some health issues, but um, I'm back. Um, I'm doing much better and the issues have been taken care of. So now I can get back to my normal schedule. Um, I'm going to put up two episodes this week and two episodes next week to kind of make up for that. So I do apologize for the abnormal schedule, but it's kind of difficult to record around a fire line to keep saying low battery, low battery, even though it is plugged into the it's wired into the wiring in my ceiling so we got that taken care of and like i said i had some health issues i have colitis and i had pretty bad flare-up so i was out of commission for a little bit but i am better now so this week we are going to look at the case of ray farmer he was uh, a basketball player who never was able to go or tony farmer excuse me tony farmer he was never able to go pro due to issues with domestic violence so the term domestic violence includes felony or misdemeanor crimes of violence committed by a current or former spouse or intimate partner of the victim this is a person who the victim shares a child with or could just be in a relationship yet to have children a person who they live with or have lived with at some point, they are currently a spouse or have been a spouse or partner. Family and domestic violence is a common problem in the United States as well as the rest of the world. In the United States, it affects an estimated 10 million people per year. As many as one in four women and one in nine men are victims of domestic violence. Virtually all healthcare professionals will at some point evaluate or treat people who are victims of domestic or family violence. Domestic and family violence includes economic, physical, sexual, emotional, psychological abuse of children, adults, or elders. Domestic violence causes worsened psychological and physical health, decreased quality of life, decreased productivity, and in some cases, mortality, meaning death. Domestic and family violence can be difficult to identify. Many cases are not reported to health professionals or legal authorities. This activity describes the evaluation, reporting, and management strategies for victims of domestic abuse and stresses the role of team-based interprofessional care for these victims. That means not just therapy, but working with law enforcement professionals, therapists. And here in the United States, we have something called VAWA, the Violence Against Women's Act. It doesn't just apply to women, but victims of domestic violence. It's to protect them in situations like housing and jobs. So you could be in a domestic violence or just a violent relationship, a domestic partner, say that you're dating someone you work with, and the VAWA Act keeps you from being retaliated against for ending the relationship. Um, Same thing with your housing. Um, There have been shows or times in which, I know you've seen it, where 
there is an incident where they get attacked by their partner and the landlord kicks them out because they cause trouble, both of them. Well, under the Violence Against Women's Act, it's illegal for a landlord to um, evict the victim of domestic violence. So once you file a police report and you have it in the police report that you were the victim, not the aggressor, they can evict the aggressor, but it's illegal for them to evict the victim. So it protects your housing and your 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 like I said your employment. So say that you are dating someone from work and the person from work did something to you, it protects you from being fired. However, I have come across instances where people who have been in relationships that backfired used VAWA to punish their relation their uh, partner and get them fired from the job. So um, in the workplace, usually they do require documentation such as police reports because they don't want to fire people over hearsay. It is a national public health problem and virtually all healthcare uh, individuals are trained to take care, evaluate, and treat people who deal with domestic and family violence. Unfortunately, each form of fi family violence begets interracial, interrelated forms of abuse. The cycle of abuse is often continued from exposed children into their adult relationships and finally to the care of the elderly. Domestic and family violence includes a large range of abuse, including economic, physical, sexual, emotional, and psychological towards children, adults, and elderly. Intimate partner violence includes stalking, sexual, physical, uh, uh, psychological, and financial abuse. Psychological aggression by a curtain or former partner is one of the most common forms. In the United States, as many as one in four women and one in nine men are victims to this kind of abuse, as I stated before. Domestic violence is thoroughly underreported. Domestic violence affects victims, families, coworkers, and other people in the community uh, through secondhand contact. It causes diminished psychological and physical health, decreases the quality of life, and results in decreased productivity. The national economic cost of domestic and family violence is estimated to be over $12 billion per year. The number of individuals affected is expected to rise exponentially over the next 20 years, increasing the elderly population, or increasing into the elderly population. Domestic and family violence is difficult to identify as many cases go unreported to professionals and especially to the authorities. Due to prevalence within our society, all healthcare professionals, including psychologists, nurses, pharmacists, dentists, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, and doctors, evaluate and learn how to treat and spot victims of domestic violence. Family and domestic violence um, abusive behaviors in which one individual situational behaviors are ones in which individuals gain power over another. Intimate partner violence typically includes sexual or physical violence. Many times it can also involve psychological aggression and stalking. This may include former and current partners. Child abuse involves emotional, sexual, physical, or neglect of a child under 18 by a parent or custodian. A lot of times, neglect is the most common form of child abuse because a lot of times people don't think not properly feeding your kid, not bathing them enough, not taking them to the dentist, not taking them to doctor's appointments, not making sure that they get their health milestones met. They don't consider that abuse, but it is. Elder abuse is a failure to act 
or an intentional act by a caregiver that causes or creates a risk of harm to an elder. I had a client that was elderly that was experiencing extreme elder abuse. Um, An example of elder abuse is signing up as a PCA so you can get the paycheck for being a PCA to an elderly person and then just never showing up to do any of the tasks they need. That would be extreme neglect and it's a form of elder abuse and it happens all the time. Domestic violence, spousal abuse, battery, or intimate partner violence is typically the victimization of an individual with whom the abuser has an intimate relationship. The CDC defines domestic violence as physical, sexual, stalking, and physical aggression. Domestic and family violence never has boundaries. The violence occurs within the relationship, after relationship is over, um, sometimes prior to the relationship even beginning. It occurs regardless of culture, race, religion, or socioeconomic status. We understand as professionals that we must treat domestic violence with the utmost care, whether in the form of emotional, psychological, sexual, physical, or financial abuse. It's common within our society and we should develop the ability to recognize it and make the appropriate referrals to any help needed. Uh, Financial abuse is usually the one that goes overlooked the most um, because there's just this misconception that when you're in a relationship, what's mine and yours and what yours is mine. That's not necessarily true. You see a lot of stories on Reddit of people who are dating from different social classes and someone who makes $500,000 a year is expecting someone who makes $35,000 a year to foot half the bills. How does someone live a lifestyle where they are renting an apartment where the rent is $5,000 a month and they expect someone who makes $35,000 a year to come up with $2,500 a month. They can't, they're never going to. So when you walk into a situation where, you know, someone is expecting you to basically give over all of your income to pay the expenses so you have nothing left for yourself, yeah, that can be considered a form of financial abuse because there is a shift where this person has disposable income and you have nothing. You, you are, or the, the vice versa, where they tell you, don't worry about it, I'll take care of everything, I pay for everything, and then you have such an extravagant lifestyle where you've become entirely financially dependent on them. That is a really big form of financial abuse, where they make you completely financially dependent on them so that if you did want to leave, you wouldn't be able to because you wouldn't have the means. So the type of violence that is considered stalking Um, usually takes place at the end of a relationship and the end of a relationship is usually when it becomes the most volatile. That is usually when people become the most violent and is usually the time when the partner's life is at the highest risk. We also recognize that there is no cultural boundaries. Domestic violence occurs in all cultures no matter you know, how much they tend to act as though it doesn't, it does. And it also occurs across all sexual orientations and gender orientations. Now, most um, domestic violence comes from control and power dynamic issues. And some of um, domestic violence comes from reasons to need to control situations, anger management issues, jealousy, low self-esteem, a feeling of inferiority to your partner. You see this a lot when people enter a relationship and one person has a higher paying job than the other and the dynamics switch. They feel like they no longer have control in the relationship and they take out that feeling of loss of control because they feel inferior, inferior because now they no longer have the most income in the relationship. Cultural beliefs, um, 
that they have the right to control their partner. Um, I live in a part of the country where um, there is a very patriarchal culture that is predominant in my area. And this comes up a lot um, where women are held to a much higher standard. They're expected to be much more responsible and a lot of responsibility is not placed on the men and that the men a lot of times will hold women responsible for their own behavior. Uh, and so that's where they're talking about cultural beliefs, personality disorders, psychological disorders, learning behavior from growing up, it's behavior modeling. If you see um, abusive behavior in your home, that's what you're going to think is acceptable and normal. Drugs and alcohol, uh, impairing your ability to um, control your impulses. Now, there can be risk factors for domestic violence. Risk factors for domestic and family violence can include, but are not limited to, uh, your re individual relationship dynamics, the communities that you live in, your societal issues, and like I said, cultural relationship dynamics. There's an inverse relationship between your education level and domestic violence. It's not directly correlated. Um, as many of you know, I volunteer in my community doing foster care reviews, and I've seen people who are lawyers um, have issues with domestic violence. I've seen people who are not educated have issues with domestic violence. I've seen wealthy people with issues with domestic violence. Domestic violence does not know, uh, it does not follow along um, social class lines or um, the lines of your pay level. So it, it, there is no class line for domestic violence and there definitely, there's no wealth line for domestic violence. Domestic violence, there, there's no, it's not like it says, oh, you know, you make a million dollars a year, so we're gonna recede. You know, this gene is gonna be recessive for the wealthier parts of the family. It doesn't work that way. It's a learned behavior. It's something that you see and you repeat or something that could be triggered due to, like if you have mental health issues, if you have a mental health crisis, sometimes you'll have trouble with your impulse control and you'll lash out. It is definitely not something that is more predominantly done in certain classes. It just can be different. You're more susceptible to financial and emotional abuse if you are more wealthy because you need to keep up appearances. You don't want people to see bruises, so you're more likely to engage in psychological, psychological and emotional abuse. That's why they say there's an inverse relationship. It's more that the type of abuse will be different, not that there'll be less. So domination may domination aspect of domestic violence may include emotional, physical, or sexual abuse that may be caused by an interaction of situational or individual factors. This means the abuser learns violent behavior from their family, community, or culture. They may see violence or may have been the victims of violence over the course of time. Domestic violence is extremely serious and a challenging public health issue. Approximately over 18 years of age or older, one in 10 men will experience domestic violence. So domestic violence among men is growing in the United States. And to be honest, I don't think it's growing. I just think more men are coming forward. It's becoming more acceptable to say something. So annually, domestic violence is responsible for over 1,500 deaths in the United States. Domestic violence victims typically experience severe physical injuries requiring care at hospitals or clinics. The cost to individuals and society is significant. 
The national annual cost of medical and mental health care services related to acute domestic violence is estimated at over $8 billion. If the injury results in long-term or chronic condition, obviously the cost is going to be considerably higher. The financial hardship and unemployment are contributors to domestic violence. An economic downturn is associated with increased calls to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And as many of you know, during COVID, incidents of domestic violence in the United States increased exponentially. Fortunately, the national rate of non-fatal domestic violence is declining. See that little, that little, fortunately, non-fatal is, is declining, but fatal domestic violence is rising. So that, that, I mean, there is no plus side to that. You know, they're getting more violent and that's what's rising is the people who are going to the level of killing people, but non-violent rates of domestic violence are declining. So technically that's not entirely an upside. This is thought to be due to a decline in the marriage rate. So see, it's, it's not really even a plus. Decreased domesticity, better access to domestic violence shelters, improvements in women's economic statuses, and an increase in the average age of the population. So really they're saying that we haven't really dealt with domestic violence. They're just that women have become more economically dependent, uh, economically independent. And since m less people are cohabitating with their partners, that's why there's less domestic violence. Most perpetrators and victims do not seek help. Healthcare professionals are usually the first individuals with an opportunity to identify domestic violence. Nurses are usually the first healthcare providers victims encounter. Domestic violence may be perpetrated on women, men, parents, and children. 50% of women seen in emergency rooms report histories of abuse and approximately 40% of those killed by their abuser did seek help within the two years before their death. Only one-third of police-identified victims of domestic violence are identified in an emergency room. Healthcare professionals who work in acute care need to maintain a high index of suspicion for domestic violence as supportive family members may in fact be the abusers. When it comes to child abuse, age, family income, and ethnicity are all factors for risk for both sexual and physical abuse. Gender is a risk factor for sexual abuse, but not for physical abuse. Each year, there are over 3 million referrals to Child Protective Services. Despite often being the first to examine the victims, only 10% of those referrals were from medical personnel. The fatality rate is approximately two deaths for every 100,000 children. Women account for a little over half of the perpetrators. When it comes to intimate partner violence, according to the CDC, one in four women and one in seven men are going to experience physical violence by their intimate partner at some point in their life. About one in three women and one in six men experience some form of sexual violence during their life. Intimate partner violence, sexual violence, and stalking are high, with intimate partner violence occurring in over 10 million people for each year. One thing I noticed when I was watching season three of You, when we talk about stalking, You is not about what I thought it was. You is actually not about Joe. You is about stalking. That's why the show is called You. Every time a stalker is added to the show, if you notice, the stalker refers to the person that they're stalking as you. Not just Joe. Peach referred to Beck as you. Love referred to Joe as you. The librarian stalker referred to her as you. The reason that everyone is so agitated that Joe keeps getting away with it is because they keep ending up empathizing with Joe. 
they wrote him that way because he is a very specific kind of stalker. He's one of the most prolific and successful kinds of stalker. They're people who are chameleons. They make themselves whatever that you want or need in your life. Then, as soon as the ideal they've built up about who you are is shattered, they move on to someone else. They usually are nonviolent. It's why they're so successful. They fill a need, a void, an ideal you have in your life. That's why he's so successful. He keeps getting away with it. He keeps working. They're proving a point. They're showing you how they're showing you just how prevalent stalking is by adding a new stalker every season and by having multiple stalkers in the same room on multiple incidents. They want you to see just how prevalent stalking is and they want you to see how on any given point you could be in a room with multiple stalkers and not even know it. How someone who's been in your life for years, who's been your rock and your support system, could actually have been stalking you the entirety of the time without your knowledge. You could be living your best life and everything could seem to be in perfect place. And the people closest to you, one of them could actually be stalking you the whole time. That's the point of the show, is to show you just how prevalent and how serious an issue stalking is, and that many, many times, people are stalked without them ever knowing, and that the stalking will end without them ever knowing. So that's just how scary and prevalent of an issue stalking is. And it really, really changed my viewpoint when I realized what they were doing with the writing and why Joe was written the way he was. Because the show is not about him. Joe, the show is about stalking and how prevalent it is and how oblivious we are to it and how by posting the, the amount of stuff and the amount of information we do on social media, we leave ourselves open to it. So I suggest you go back and look at it with a new viewpoint. Look at it as a show about stalking and less as a show about the story of Joe. And you're going to see a lot more interesting things and you're going to realize a lot different things. Now, if we talk about elderly abuse, it is woefully underreported and it is difficult to obtain accurate information about it. We know that the majority of it is neglect. Elderly abuse is thought to occur in 3 to 10% of the population of elderly people. Patients don't report it due to fear, guilt, or shame. Clinicians underreport elder abuse due to just not being able to recognize the problem. There's a lack of understanding and not being sure of who to report it to because you don't report it to child services. Luckily, in my area, we do have a, a elder services. It's like child services, but for elderly people. So my area really recognized the need to be able to take care of it and we put together a whole department and all they do is deal with elder abuse and so we we have a full-on reporting method and reporting department so it's very different than most places and um a lot of people do it because they're they don't report it because they're worried about fish uh confidentiality some doctors are worried that it's a HIPAA issue however there's an addendum to HIPAA it's part two and it's very blatantly put in that addendum that covers uh, mental health issues that elder abuse is to be treated just like child abuse in the moment that you have a concern as a physician mental health care worker or substance abuse worker that there is elder abuse you are mandated to report it so uh, the worries about confidentiality really shouldn't be there because it is 
stated in black and white in HIPAA, the law about patient confidentiality in very, very explicit language. If you have concerns about elder abuse, you're supposed to treat it like it is child abuse and you are mandated to report it. So that's a little bit of an overview about domestic violence. We're gonna go into the case of Tony Farmer. The reason I wanted to talk about domestic violence is because this is a prospect for uh, the NBA. He was considered to be one of the top 100 recruits um, at one point in the United States. And the NBA has a problem with domestic violence. It's come up quite a bit. Several, several, several players were in the media. And I took time to go through. There's several websites that have um, all of the players who've ever been suspended, barred, um, even just like suspended for a couple of games. But any player who's ever been given any type of punishment from the NBA, the National Basketball Association for their behavior, there are multiple point shaving scandals, basically fixing games, multiple people who had problems. There are drugs and some weren't even illegal drugs. They weren't performance enhancing drugs. Like there were, so there are drugs, guns, weapons. Once, one person ever, ever in the history of the NBA ever had consequences for domestic violence. Even though you just type in NBA domestic violence, you literally will get whole lists of NBA players who have committed domestic violence during the time they played in the NBA. Yet they only ever, ever gave any type of penalty to one player. So the reason that I wanted to go through domestic violence and how serious it is and how it can continue afterwards is because if you don't affect somebody's money, they may not take the actual changes. They may not take the, the they may not do what they need to do to make the actual changes in their life. And so that is why I wanted to go through the seriousness, the fact that it can continue after one person, you can, the next person, it's a learned behavior. You're gonna keep continue to model it until you get help to change the behavior. And for a lot of people, that's not gonna happen until you see some kind of very, very, very real consequence. And for wealthier people, that is taking away their money. So with Tony Farmer, he was born on the 24th of March in 1994 in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, not a lot is known about his childhood but they do know that from a very early age, his family pushed him down the path towards basketball. It's known he started playing very, very young, around the age of five or six, and gained recognition um, as soon as he started attending Garfield Heights High School. He played on the school's basketball team as a small forward and initially caught, the, caught everyone's attention due to his height. He helped his team reach a Division I Ohio State playoff semifinal during his sophomore year and was posting an average of 20.4 points per game. He was touted online by websites as a four-star recruit and was considered to be one of the top 100 high school players in the country. At the age of 18, rivals ranked him in the 86th spot of prospects with extreme potential. He was being chased by Division I schools and Big Ten programs. That means they were recruiting him to play at the highest collegiate levels. During the peak of his high school career at 18, he was caught on camera brutally beating up his girlfriend in his apartment and forcing her to stay with him. The footage went viral and when he went to trial, it was covered by news and gained polarizing opinions across the country. The career was abruptly cut short. In 2012, 
He was sentenced to three years in prison after he admitted to kidnapping and assaulting his girlfriend. He was indicted by a grand jury on charges of felonious assault, robbery, and kidnapping. The majority of the incident was caught on video. It was visible that Farmer dragged his ex by the hair. As Cuyahoga County Common Pleas Judge Pamela sentenced him, however, in the now viral footage, Farmer collapsed to the floor. So what also, why the reason it went so viral is because first he stopped and looked at her. He looked at his, his lawyer and then he went bra and then he just collapsed because I don't think he thought he was going to get time. He got three years and a lot of people were saying that it was racially motivated because he was black. It was not. It was justified. The thing is, a lot of domestic violence offenders do not get real jail time. They'll get like six months and then they'll suspend the sentence. So they'll give them a year and they'll only do two months. So for him to get three years was a big deal. But it was also a big win for domestic violence advocates because finally someone was getting a justifiable punishment. In 2015, he was released from prison. He planned to enroll at Lincoln College, eventually continuing his run at a professional basketball career. However, due to his incarceration, he was refused admission into the school. Eventually, he enrolled at the community college, Lee College, located in Baytown, Texas. During his freshman and sophomore years, he made commendable efforts with the Rudden Rebels. However, his traction towards a professional career was extremely low considering the years he spent away from the sport. After his sophomore year in college, he decided to just go ahead and turn pro, and he entered the 2017 NBA draft. However, he went undrafted, but not wanting to give up on his dream, he joined the Yakima Sun Kings team for 2018. It's an NAPB franchise team in Yakima, Washington, so it's like a minor league team, which previously competed in the Continental Basketball Association. Police in Kinnear, Louisiana, issued a warrant for his arrest in 2020 on felony domestic abuse battery after a girlfriend filed a complaint about a incident that was caught on a doorbell camera on April 17th of that year. The doorbell footage caught part of an altercation between Farmer and his then girlfriend, Nikki Mano, who posted the video to her Instagram. In the video, Farmer can be seen grabbing her by her neck in an attempt to drag her inside the house. Farmer and Mano both told ESPN she had threatened to douse him with bleach in retaliation for him hitting her in a previous incident. In the video, an open plastic bottle is visible in her left hand. What made this such a big deal is after he got out of jail, he started a domestic violence charity that was created to help men get into counseling for domestic violence so that they could change their behaviors. He was also going around and he was giving lectures at schools telling people about stopping the cycle of domestic violence. Meanwhile, he was abusing his girlfriend the whole time. It wasn't just this one ring doorbell camera footage. It turns out she had been documenting her abuse the whole time. She had pictures, tons of them. So after they arrested him, she then decided to press charges and she turned over all these pictures. So what had happened is she was scared 
she was afraid he was gonna hurt her that's why she didn't come forward and the seeing the camera footage that's what really tipped the scales that's where she said okay i can't do this anymore he's gonna kill me eventually and also i need the world to know he's lying to you he's putting on a show nothing has changed he doesn't believe anything he's saying this is complete bullshit. and so he was charged right now the case is pending so he hasn't actually um gone to court or anything obviously our court system is a bit backed up thanks to covid but so that's why this is a big deal because you have this person who hasn't even gotten to the nba he's been trying he's playing for minor league teams and he's been charged twice by the police my question here and the reason i wanted to do this story is because i wanted to know i feel like had he made it to the nba would he even had any consequences or would the team have can you know would they have convinced them not to press charges would anything even have happened to him or would these women even be alive would the team have intervened and convinced them not to say anything because remember in, in the first instance the woman didn't want them to give him any charges because they, she didn't want to be responsible for the loss of his career so given that the thing that everybody's thinking about is his career had he been able to go to college or go into the draft before any of these things came to light before any police got involved and he was dragging someone by their neck down a hotel room or down a hotel hallway as we've seen in camera footage of professional athletes doing before would that been a repeat would the league have gotten involved and stopped and would he have just gone on to a great career while he was possibly would that would would the end game have been him killing someone with you know a twenty thousand dollar rolex on his wrist you know so that's what you have to ask because he was arrested he did three years he started a charity he seemed to have change and the whole time he is torturing this poor woman that he's li living with so when i say that it is astounding that they've only ever given consequences to one person in the history of the nba for domestic violence and you have people who haven't even made it there who are getting multiple counts of felony assault, kidnapping, holding people against their will. The question is, when is the NBA gonna step up to the plate and start actually holding people accountable? And also, when are they gonna stop trying to recruit people who are going to engage in this kind of behavior? Whether we like to admit it or not, athletes are role models. And we do need to make sure that the people that we have on these teams are going to present a side to our children that we can be proud of so that is the story of tony farmer next week we are going to our this week because i'm going to re <laughs> release this episode tomorrow we're going to look at a serial squatter 15 year reign of terror this man kept moving in with people never paying rent never moving out sometimes the um incidents turned extraordinarily violent um he was just the worst possible nightmare it makes me super happy that i live alone and i don't have to worry about any roommates so we're gonna get into a little bit of the psychology but also the law here in the united states and how someone can be a serial squatter how someone can just move into your home and you can never get them back out again so in the meantime i hope you feel better knowing how and why people do such awful things <laughs>